experience some of that love this morning. That's, that's my message. That's what I want to happen. And it's, it's really up to, to God and a wee bit of us. So there's no challenge this morning. I've just got a hope that God's love fills us individually, each and every one of you. So we'll just pray. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you stay with us, Holy Spirit? Don't just come, but stay. Your love's the best. Lord, your love is the best. And we need it. We need it so much. And I ask you to just fill us with it this morning. Would you fill this place with your love? That we would hear your message of love to us this morning. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm, I'm starting with a question. In the context of relationships, what is love? What is love? What does love look like? What does it feel like? What is, what is relational love like? I'll give you a start for 10. Commitment. Anything else? What, do you, what about relational love? I need input here. Cause, Kindness. Sorry? Kindness. Kindness. Serving. 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 Oh, like, there's a man that knows he's sitting next to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Or will I just read my list? I don't have my hearing aid in deliberately so that I can't hear you, but you need to shout. Sacrificial love. Yep, good. That's on my list. Shout, shout. I'm deaf. Affection. Affection. Don't need to shout that loud. Mrs. Sharing. Good stuff. So we've got a few things. Commitment. So love's an action. I've written a couple of things. Not winning the argument. Again, I'm thinking about my wife. Um, choosing to lose the argument sometimes. Seeing the win and the loss. Sacrificial love. It's for the long haul. It's commitment. It's in the summer of love, playing doubles rather than singles. Right? And we had a chat about that the other night, didn't we? But my doubles play, it's about ropey. Right? I'm a singles player. But hey, so there's a photo we're putting up now. Um, Nice photo, you might go, ah, ah, no. What does that say? Dependence, yeah? Anything else? Comfort. Huh? Intimacy. Intimacy. Okay, vulnerability maybe. That wee baby's quite open to receiving love there. Total trust. I can rely on you. That baby's quite reliant there, yeah. Looks quite happy. And it's a fact that human beings have a fundamental need for that kind of love. It's written in the human DNA, your DNA and my DNA, that we need love. And our love begins, actually begins before we're, that need begins before we're born. In our mother's womb, we sensed, we could hear her heartbeat, we could um, sense sounds, noises, feelings, vibrations, but we could actually feel where mum's feelings, yeah? There's a sense we could actually connect to what were mum's, she was experiencing at the time, whether it was her highs and her lows and her goods and bads. And when we're born, 
our primary need is for this felt security, for a safe haven. It's, it's the love that we needed when we were born. And science recognized this. This is scientific fact. It's not just me. There was a psychologist, a clever man about 40 years ago, John Bowlby, developed a, a theory of attachment. He went against the whole psychoanalyst school of Freud and all the, the, big, the biggies of the day and developed his own theories of attachment and how our experience as a baby and that attachment we had with our primary caregiver, usually our mum, actually influences our behaviours, our motivation for, for, the, for our whole life. It, it's, it's that important. It's that important. And there's been a lot of work done on his theories since then, over the last 40 years, and, and the wider scheme of relationship. And guess what? That safety, that need for safety and security is actually found to be primary need for all of us, not just babies, but for our whole lives. We really need a safe place to go out from and a safe place to come back to. That's what we need in our lives. That is the, the foundation we need for our love. And as we grow and develop and adapt to our circumstances, that love, that need continues. And depending on when we were born, where we were born, it, it depends on how we, how we experience that, depends on how we act. Secure, love, safe, loved baby. Looks great. Grows into stable, secure adult with healthy boundaries, theoretically. Yeah. Um, some years were hurt. Rejected as a baby, maybe felt unsafe, and experienced that over and over. Well, not all had perfect upbringing. Some of us had confusing signals, love mixed with anger, and were wired to a degree to expect that anger follows love. Just depends on how we're brought up. So, my personal experience involved rejection, and whenever I'm very attuned to rejection, so please don't reject me. Right? But when, <laughs> she's laughing at me. But whenever I sense rejection, or whenever I sense love, rejection's never far behind it. I'm expecting it. It's it's really close. My defences are all locked and loaded. Defences get the walls up. Yeah. So child attachment styles carried into adulthood, good or bad, perfect or not. And, and as we grow. As people into adults, we, we start getting interested in relational love. Um, we, we really have a need to belong, and we really have a need to experience relational love. And often it's close physical relationships in a couple, and if we're really lucky, we may even fall in love. Yeah. Has anybody ever fallen in love? Husbands, hands up. <laughs> Brian, hands up. So, Andy, right? So, what's falling in love like? What does that feel like, guys? <laughs> guys are very good with emotional vocabulary. Ladies, what's the? What does the world say about falling in love? There's loads of songs and books and TV shows. Everything's about it. So, there's the head over heels in love. That experience of falling in love. Do you remember it? Yeah, are you still getting it? Yeah. You, you want eye contact with your, with your lover, yeah? You want physical touch, holding hands is great. Ooh, holding hands. You want to be the giller, you miss them. 
if you've not seen them for five minutes. Right? Their quirks are cute. Yeah, some of the, after a few years, their quirks are annoying. But <laughs> during the falling in love stage, the quirks are, oh, it's wonderful, isn't it, Mrs.? Yeah. My quirks are cute still. You, f- you, you forgive them instantly. Yeah. You, there's no, you, you want to forgive them. You're motivated to forgive. You're oblivious to the world. You believe everything they say. You'll do anything for them. You talk to them for hours. And you won't hear a word said against them. If anybody says anything about your best friend or your lover, when you get that level of connection, there's no way you'll hear it. It's a measurable phenomenon. Science can actually measure this. And I'm not going to say the words because what is described that, Mrs. But there's a measurable phenomenon in your brain between two folk that are connecting. Yeah. You, you almost know what they're going to say before they say it, don't you, Mrs.? Yeah. You know what I'm going to say sometimes, don't you? When we really connect, there's, there's, there's this connection of minds. And I'm going to call it romantic love. It, it's not necessarily sexual. It's not necessarily that kind of love, but it can be enough and is. But it's energizing. It's, you can't deny it. And it's often visible. You can see when two people are in love, can't you? Can't you, missus? Look at me. That's rejection. <laughs> so, so, so I've got two types of love there. I've got love one, right? The felt security, safe haven, safe place to go, safe place to come from, and love two, um, the the romantic love where your head over heels in love. So, love one. Can you imagine that from God? That safe, secure place. Is there anything that would back us up? Are there any scriptures? Stick a scripture on for that, please, would you? Yeah. So there's one for the, that Jason spoke about the other week. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to, to be your son. But the father wasn't listening. He was a real safe place to come back to. Um, there's many scriptures about this we'll stick on the next one please safe place the Lord's my rock my fortress my deliverer he's my rock in whom I take refuge my shield the horn of my salvation my stronghold this loved one it's really we talk about a good good father and if we get that picture in our mind it's reasonably easy to imagine God as a safe place to go out from and come back to. Love too, romantic love, head over heels, love. Can we see God in there? Can you see God as head over heels in love with you? Can you? Let's see what the scriptures say there. So Song of Solomon's a, a kind of easy one to go to there to find scripture to back that up. You've captured my heart, dear friend. You looked at me. And I fell in love. One looked my way. So that's these eyes. And I was hopelessly in love. The next one The kisses of your lips are like honey, my love. Every syllable you speak, a delicacy to savor. Your clothes smell like the wild outdoors, the ozone scent of high mountains. Your clothes smell like the wild outdoors. Is anybody overlooking the obvious there, you know? But... God's so in love there. He's, you know, your clothes smell like dung. 
you know, right? But it's wonderful, right? This is romantic. This head over heels love being expressed. And um, there's a, a song of David continues that theme with uh, your eyes and lips and meet and touch with mine, oh heavenly divine. My love, I must, I must have more of you, I implore of you. So some of that's easy, some of it's very obviously romantic and, and engaged. But if we go to Paul and Romans, Paul, you would think, is quite a steadfast, good um, Pharisee. He's down to earth and possibly doesn't time for namby-pamby love. But if we look at the book of Romans, and, you know, there's a couple of passages here. Do, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? No way. Not trouble, hard times, hatred, hunger, homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sin listed in Scripture. There's nothing. God, God overlooks absolutely everything. His grace is enough to overlook every kind of look, everything that happens that anybody else can do to us, that we can do, he can overlook it because he's head over heels in love with you. Right? Paul continues in Romans, I'm, going to, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, living or dead, angel or demonic, today, tomorrow, he gets a bit silly, high or low, thinkable, unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Because Jesus is so in love with us, nothing can get in the way of that. He's totally devoted to you. Love's blind. You forgive them instantly. God forgives us instantly. God will do anything for us. God won't hear a word said against us. God loves us that much. And we don't need to do anything. Yeah. God loves us with his passion. And it comes from him. We don't need to do anything to receive that love. He loves us because he loves us. But there is a but. This love too, this relation, relational love, wants a response. It wants to be loved. When you fall in love with somebody, you really want them to fall in love with you too. Unrequited love is not particularly good fun. I don't know if anybody's experienced that. And if you have, my heart goes out to you. But all you need to do is listen to the charts and you'll listen to songs of unrequited love all day. God, this great love God has for us, he really wants us to respond to him. He really wants to hear it back. I love you, God. I want to be looking into your eyes. I want to spend time with you. I want to hear a word said against you. This is a two-way thing. This is what we talk about when we talk about relationship with God. And it brings me a wee bit to the, the crux of the, the love too, the romantic love, and it's about vulnerability. To get into that place, there's a moment or moments that you have to commit yourself onto that path. You have to say something or act in some way. You have to be vulnerable. Remember the wee baby? There he goes. He's back on. How vulnerable is that wee baby? 
Yeah, my defences are not visible there. Yeah, there's no wall up. There's no no defences at all there. And if you've ever fallen in love, you maybe experienced a moment of that vulnerability where you had to expose your feelings. And I, I remember it in sense of falling in love with Anne. We were in the brink of relationship. We'd been, we were both working kind of with a, a, a church organization, a youth thing, and um, I had fear. Fear and hope were pulling me. We, we'd been in group meetings together. We'd been um, to group meals. We'd even been to the movies as a group, yeah? We sat next to each other, our shoulders touched during the movie. It's quite exciting, right? But in order to take that further, I had to actually do something, yeah? Okay, so thought about it, prayed to it. And you know, in my, I'm waiting on rejection, but like the, the Scottish warrior blood that was in me, I sent her an email. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yes, boldness, brave. But to be honest, for me, the email was was brave enough, you know, because then you had to spend the next like every second looking for a reply, you know. But it was for me that was quite vulnerable, to be honest. It was a bit wimpish when you look back on it, but but fortunately, I responded well. Yeah, I was prepared for rejection, but I wasn't rejected. My defences had been put into place and I had all these rational arguments. Rational arguments compete with vulnerability. They tell you there's no need for them. You don't need to do this. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong place. It's going to fail. Whatever. Rational arguments in our brain compete with what's going on in our heart. Um, but Anne said, yeah. We went out. We held hands. Um, and we've never looked back, have we? It's been happiness every day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And just like in any relationship, we need to be vulnerable and we need to be, keep being vulnerable, unfortunately. Yeah. We need to be vulnerable over and over it. You know, if we, need, if we want reassurance, we need to say we're upset. If we feel insecure, we need to be able to reach out and connect. And that's where this secure connection, this love one is the key. And when my loved one senses rejection from me and my defences go up and I want to run away or hide or just shut up or put my headphones on or I'll take the dog for a walk, right? I've got a choice. I've got a choice in whether it will be vulnerable and own up to it or not. I often don't, <laughs> to be honest. But Anne helps me at times, yeah? And, and she helps me by saying things. She's... She, called, she says, David, you're my favourite. You're still my favourite. And that, ah, the walls go boom. When I hear that, yeah, sometimes they go down all the way. They're gone, yeah. The long, loads, the long laid down story of, of my loved one has it, been overwritten as time goes on. From, from the words that Anne says to me, from my experience with Anne, my experience with God, these habits that have that have been formed in my brain are actually being overwritten physically overwritten in my mind I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind yeah. um, I could call it neuroplasticity but I'm, Anne thoughts don't mention neuroplasticity but actually this actually really happens in our heads 
we have physical changes in our brain for the bad experiences are replaced by good ones. And that changes how we, we can interact with people. It's wonderful. Science is catching up with God. Yeah. Science is catching up with the Bible a bit. We can really be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's great. So, I know I love Anne. I'm in love with her. I'm still in love with her. And I'll hear nothing against her. My love for Anne gives me grace to overlook some of Anne's less than perfect features. Right? Anne doesn't need that because... <laughs> I, know, so I know Anne loves me because she can overlook some of my less than perfect um, features. And I was going to mention them, but I decided not to bother. Right? <laughs> you maybe know, well, move on. Right, I love Jesus, right? And I know I love Jesus. People tell me bad things about Jesus, yeah? They can even prove them, yeah? They can prove by scripture that God does bad things, yeah? They can prove them with their own satisfaction, but I can overlook them. I don't understand them. I don't understand all the arguments about them, but I can overlook them because I love Jesus, because I love God, because of my relationship, not through facts or arguments. And, and in order to do that, I need to maintain a healthy love factor with Jesus. Or I can start looking at the facts that are presented to me. I mean, you can say lies instead of facts, but switch the TV on and you'll get somebody telling you how wrong Christianity is and how our God is actually doing stuff wrong. Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the facts presented about God are negative. And I need my love to keep positive about Jesus and God. Because I know that that's the truth. That's what, that's what underpins everything. Every, I can go back and I can look for the facts, but it's only because of the love that I've got from. And it's the same about your lover. Any of our lovers, we need, we need love to, to overcome lies. Or we need love to overcome bad bits and um, I, I've asked a couple of folk to, to come up and share a, a short story this morning just about being vulnerable with God or a romantic story that they have with God just to illustrate that it's not just me right? and I know it's not just me does anybody here love God has anybody fallen in love with Jesus right? where's Kathy Kathy said there she's there I've, I get to fall in love with Jesus again, she said. And that's still buried in my head. It's no fair, right? Falling in love more than once with Jesus. So a couple of folk who I sprung on, one guy in particular. I wanted guys, but so I'll start with Colin. Colin, come on up and uh, just tell us a wee bit about... And so that, this is vulnerability, yeah? Tell us a wee bit about um, love. This is vulnerability because he came when the announcements were being sent and he said, I'm going to ask you something during the service. Okay. Do you want me to stand on the stage, David? That might look better. Okay. I suppose if I think about being in love with Jesus, I, I struggle with the fact that I love my wife. I don't struggle with the fact I love my wife. Get, the, get my teeth right. I love my wife dearly, but I struggle with the concept of how could a man love another man as God? 
But what I have discovered is through the relationship that God has allowed me to build with him, I am astounded at what I have learned and how my life has changed. And it changes on an hourly basis and it changes sometimes on, on minutes. And especially when I come in here on a Sunday morning and people are worshipping and you don't exist. This might sound silly, but when I start to worship God in this room, there is nobody else here. There's him and me. And that's it. And the only time I realize there's somebody's here, if somebody bumps into me, either putting their hand against me or I've bumped into them. And I say this in the deepest of humility. If you see me on my knees in this church, when worship's on, it's because God is in front of me and I'm on my knees in front of him. And, that, and that's where I am, okay? And David talked about vulnerability, I suppose. Maybe I've been a wee bit vulnerable there, but if I could give you a little encouragement, uh, I only have my personal experience of this. With all your heart, with all your being, with all yourself, commit yourself to learn to be in relationship with God. And you will be astounded at what he will do with you in the storms of life, in any circumstance. When people come along and ask you to pray with them or whatever, and you'll be astounded at the outcomes that take place. Thanks, thanks, Colin. Colin's in love. He's, he's head over heels in love with God. And he, and he wants you to be as well. Why would you not be? You've seen other, you see Michelle when she's flat out in her face on a Sunday morning, you're thinking, get up. But, well, I'm thinking that. But, but she's, it's her and God. She's just, it's about her and God. She's been vulnerable before God. So one more wee story from um, my lovely wife. But shame, giving her the mic could be dangerous, which may ex- expose me here. But um, I'm a gracious and gentle person. She's gracious. Yeah. Uh, David just asked me to share about uh, falling in love with Jesus. And I remember as a new Christian and thinking, you know, like there's all these real Christians, you know, in church and watching them worship and thinking, look at them, they're having a real emotional connection with God. And I knew that I had met God and that he, that he loved me to bits. So I had the secure thing. Um, but, I, but I knew I needed the emotional connection to keep me going. Um, so I just asked him, I was like, Lord, I really, I need to experience this emotional connection with you. And he just started to change me. I don't know what changed, but it started to change. I think I was a bit um, worried about uh, what I was doing during worship, other people were going, and I know I am now, but <laughs> that was a process, didn't happen overnight, um, but I do really connect with Jesus, in fact, my Father and the Holy Spirit, all of them, during worship, um, but one wee story that um, I was telling Davy, um, again, as a fairly new Christian, we'd started to get, started to engage in worship in that way, and um, during worship, I started to get wee pictures, and they didn't always make sense to me, but at one point, um, I was in worship, and God gave me a picture. He was giving me a bunch of flowers and a cake, and this cake goes in the shape of a teddy bear. I was going, what are you giving me this for? What are you, you know, what are you giving me this for? And he said, I love you. And I was like, yeah, but 
oh, I don't think I'm even tithing yet. And he said, yeah, um, but I love you. Yeah, but I, I, I haven't got my life straightened out and I haven't, in fact, my finances are all over the place. Yeah, but I love you. Um, but I haven't got, um, you know, I've got all these dirty, rotten wee sins in my life, but I love you. And he just kept saying every obstacle that I was putting in his path to love me, he kept saying, but I love you, but I love you, but I love you, but I love you. Doesn't no matter what you've done, I love you. But I love you. Still gets me. And he loves you the same way. I love you as well. So it's not just me. I'm, I'm sure there's a few more stories out there, but but I, I quite like both of them. They were both aspects of this uh, head over heelsness for God and from God. It, it, it's true. I believe it's really true. God's head over heels in love with you. So our relationship with God, our romance with God, this love two and three, and all the good works that come from it are based on the loved one. The loved one, or that original experience influences that. And knowing in our mind and our will and our feelings that God's a good, good father helps make the romance sweeter. And even when we've got a poorly adapted sense of love as a baby, like me, the romance can change it. It, it can flip it. The actual... It's flipped by the experience of the romance. Um, I, I got to hear about God in Sunday school when I was a kid. And my memories of back then of God weren't great. I liked the Jesus stories about walking in the water and healing the sick. But there was all these other stories about war and pain and suffering. And, and I thought they were horrible. The worship was powerful and fierce. And I can still remember the songs. They're still in my head. And one in particular was uh, Onward Christian Soldiers. Them, do you know that? Yeah. Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus. I hated it. Right? It filled me with fear and terror. Yeah. I was a sensitive wee boy, if you can believe that. <laughs> I, I was growing up in the house with a violent dad. I, violence was, I don't, didn't like violence. I still don't particularly like violence. Violence and war scared me. And my reaction, based on my experience at home, skewed my view and what I was hearing about God. Yeah? I'd seen this God of war and God of death and God of evil. You know, like, why why you... I rejected his love and I perceived the faults. When I got to know God 30 years after that, it was in the vineyard. And, and they sang songs. Right, Andy? From a genre which uh, called Jesus is my boyfriend. Right? I don't know if you've heard that title before, but I was at a vineyard conference and there was a friend of mine, Ray, who turned around to me and said, I'm fed up with all this Jesus as my boyfriend worship. That's not what Christianity is about. We should be serving the, 
the poor. We should be out there. There's, the planet's dying, Davy. And all we are doing is telling Jesus how much we love him. And I went away, and Ray and I got on really well. And I went away thinking about that, and I came back to him and I said, I like it. I like Jesus as my boyfriend. Worship. Yeah, it's my favorite. And it's what connects me with him. And it's what motivates me to do all the Christian stuff. It's what motivates me to save the world, to save people, to, to love my wife, to, to do all the Christian acts of service. They're all motivated by that love. Without that, I'm not going to do them. A, a better way of describing Jesus as my boyfriend worship is possibly intimate worship. The, the vineyard would be quite keen on singing songs to God rather than about God. It, and they can take you to a place where it helps us express our feelings. Yeah, they're generally expressing feelings. They're about love and they're about passion and compassion. They give us an opportunity to become vulnerable before God because we need that vulnerability. We sang songs of praise this morning and I love that. I can hide for God behind that, just telling him how great he is. And it's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. But there's a wee bit of a barrier there for me. <laughs> you don't need to look inside here, God. I don't really want you to see what's inside here. I don't want to see what's inside here. They give us a chance to expose our weakness and our need. And when we do, he holds us. He reassures us. He comforts us. And our loved one is repaired again and repaired again and repaired again and changed again. And, and eventually, what God's telling us gets through. It takes a while and it takes some of that. We need, we need to open the door of vulnerability to get into that. Through those worship songs, my loved one changed. My loved one for God changed. And still being changed. God's still healing me. And we're going to play one of these um, intimate songs this morning. It, it, um, it, it's a fairly recent one. I heard it a few months ago. And it, as soon as I heard it, it connected with me instantly because it took me to that place of me and God and nothing else. A place that Colin was talking about. It was just me and him. And it, it connected me with my long history of Jesus as my boyfriend worship. So I, we're going to play that song in a moment. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and listen to it. It's a six minute long song. Oh no. But close your eyes. Try and get into it, if you know what that means. Try and connect with God. I don't know what that means. Shaking your head. So, th this great love that God has for you is beyond your thoughts and feelings and behaviors. He loves you. God loves you. He's never going to leave you. He's, you can trust him no matter what. And when we approach him this morning, approach him as someone who loves you. Approach him as someone who is head over heels in love with you. He wants, he doesn't want to deny you anything. He's overlooked everything you've got on, got in this morning. He's overlooked all that already. When you approach him this morning, approach him as somebody 
who's wants to look into your eyes, who's got a big smile, who's absolutely delighted that you're looking back at him. He wants to give you whatever you ask. He's looking at you with eyes of love. You're his favorite. I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. Only God can have all of us as his favorite. You're his favorite. You are God's favorite, every single one of you. So we're going to listen to this song now. See how you do with it, but approach him, be vulnerable if you can, and let him, tell him, tell him whatever you want. Let the song lead you a wee bit, but let the Holy Spirit lead you more. Is that okay? Can we play that then? Yeah. We'll put the words up so you can see them if you like. Mm-hmm. 